Welcome in to the G.I. Jake Show right here on Fan Run Radio this after this afternoon. I'm used to still doing my old show, man. Not used to being out here in the morning. Good morning from Parkside Kia, 9929 Parkside Drive, the Parkside Palace here in Knoxville. Situation in Tuscaloosa still ongoing. Dabo Sweeney now the betting favorite to take over the Crimson Tide football program. And, you know, like we talked about yesterday, this is going to be the biggest job for somebody to take because normally when we talk about these situations, Brad, like we mentioned yesterday, Marcus, that this job could start a domino effect in college football that one school is not going to recover from. One school is going to have to hire somebody that they don't want to hire, and they're going to plummet. Now, with Clemson being the target now and Dabo Sweeney, or for Alabama to hire Dabo. Clemson, with everything that has happened there the past couple of years and how the program has not lived up to the expectations that they had during the 20 teens, it's going to be harder for them to recover should Dabo take the Alabama job. You know, we had mentioned yesterday, you know, Dan Lanning would probably be a top candidate. And I do think that yep. they reached out to Dan Lanning and it just did not work out that way. And quite frankly, I don't know if it ever was because I think we mentioned yesterday, it's like, why would you leave Oregon? Because you got every resource with Nike there at your disposal whenever you need it. And now the shift has moved to Dabo Sweeney. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, um, Clemson's not the job it once was a few it's years not. back. You know, uh, Dabo kind of got it to the mountaintop and hasn't been able to sustain it. A lot of it is his own doing because he refused to change with the game and he did you know like bam is gonna expect big things you know from him because a big time job i mean uh i think Dabo could be a good fit there maybe it re-energizes him uh i think so you know so um i, I think mean, it'd be a great fit for tennessee call. man yeah i really think that, that would be a great fit if you're a tennessee fan because you know that you can go beat Dabo. And you know how reluctant he is to utilize the transfer portal the way it should be utilized because if everybody else is doing it, you might as well get on that bandwagon as well. You have NIL at your disposal. And speaking of NIL, guess who is under investigation mm-hmm. for NIL violations? Yep. That is Florida State. Florida State, apparently one of the assistant coaches or one of the staffers had offered a kid before he had went into the transfer portal. I think that's how that went. Mm-hmm. But they had offered him $15,000 per month to play at Florida State. That's crazy. I mean, that's a lot of money. But, I mean, (laughs) when you look at some of these other guys, I mean, you look at, you know, what we're allegedly paying Nico, that is chump change. (laughs) I mean, that's not a lot of money compared to a lot of other players. For that kid. (laughs) About said a lot of other people. A lot of other people are not making that kind of money. No, yeah, But, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is they went after the guy before he was in the portal. All of a sudden, now Florida State finds itself under the microscope. If you're Mike Norvell and one of these jobs comes open, do you take it? If Clemson opens up, if you're Mike Norvell, do you try to make that jump to Clemson, or do you continue to build on what you have done at Florida State? We all know how the Georgia game went, but you also have to take into account the 27 players were missing on one side, 27 players were missing on the other. Not everybody played in that game that should have played in that game. Marcus, how are you, sir? Doing pretty good, Jake. Just uh, having a grand old time in a very <laughs> empty studio. It feels weird. Um, yeah. Probably feels very weird. You probably feel like me when I was producing The Drive. Yes, sir. When I got thrown into that, when 
Bear was sick, and then Russell just didn't want to get up out of bed. So <laughs> there's that. He's probably sitting there in a T-shirt and gym shorts with a pair of tennis shoes with black socks up to about mid-calf, if I were to assume, knowing Marcus. The other thing, I, the other thing too, I feel slightly vindicated today, Jake. You do. You do, yeah, and do. you should. Oh, I'm an apology. VFL Gerard Mayo has accepted the job to become the next head coach for the New England Patriots. And this is um, this is really cool to see just because you know how great of a player he was here. And then he had a good career in the NFL, and to see him be able to basically, like you said, Marcus, yesterday, stick to the plan because the plan was if Belichick were to leave or to get fired that Gerard Mayo would step into that position, and now he has. So, I mean, this, that's good for him. That's a really good look on the University of Tennessee, in my honest opinion, because you see a lot of these guys, and not just at Tennessee, but other schools as well, you know, they have a very good playing career and they want to come back, oh, well, I want to be a coach now, and then it just never pans out. You know, your Patrick Ewings of the world, your Isaiah Thomases of the world, poor Andre Rise, and I think he, on his Wikipedia page, they even put in quotations, led his team that he was coaching. It was a high school team to an 0-5 start before being fired. So, I mean – this is going to be good to see, and I think Gerard Mayo will do a good job. I mean, he's very highly regarded as one of the better coaches in the league by a lot of people in the NFL. And, of course, you got the Tennessee basketball team taking on Georgia tomorrow at the Steg, the Stegman Coliseum, at noon on ESPN2. Tennessee goes into this game 11-4, and 1-1 and in conference play. Georgia 12-3, and 2-0 in conference play. Georgia off to a better basketball start than what we are used to seeing with the University of Georgia. Now, like we've said before, Georgia is one of these teams – who, for whatever reason, every five years or so, Brett and Marcus will pump out an NBA talent like a full-blown just – Anthony Edwards. <laughs> Anthony <laughs> Edwards. Yeah. Uh, KCP was one of them. You yeah. go all the way back to the 80s with this. I mean, you want to bring up Dominique Wilkins, we can. But, I mean, that's just a school that tends to just pump out one NBA just all-star once every five or six years. Why they do it that way, I don't know, but that's just how it works. Um, if you're wanting to travel to this game, you can get in for as low as 22 bucks, which is not bad at all i don't want to make the trip down to georgia just because i don't like the state of georgia but if you want to go you can we're actually going to be joined by jackson collier here in about 13 minutes from arkansas rivals and he's got uh he's got to explain to me what's going on out there he's got to explain what's going on out in arkansas but first before we do that we're going to head to the phones 865-546-8200 your number if you want to hop on with us this morning let's get daniel in here first what do you say daniel Jake, congrats on the new show. This hour works really good for me, considering I have a nine-month-old, so I'm, I'm in my car all day, so this works perfectly for me. So congrats, my man. Hey, appreciate it, man. Yeah, it works out well for you because you're not going into your house at 6 o'clock in the evening with the Fan Run radio app playing, and it's like, well, can you turn that off? You, you know, she, she's trying to sleep. You know, she's hungry. You know, you need to put that phone down. You need to turn off the app. Nope, no excuses anymore. Nope, you're listening to the G.I. Jake show. We are, we are locked in and we are we are we are excited, Jake. I'll say this much about the whole. There's been a lot happened since I've talked to you, but this week's this week's been huge. Um, you know, I never bought in that Mike Norvell would be the replacement to Nick Saban. Personally, I just don't think the guy. I mean, he had that one flash in the pan year, and it wasn't even good enough to get in the playoffs. So why would the brass at Alabama go after Norvell when I mean when it's I mean when it wasn't good enough to get in the playoffs at thirteen and zero. I don't think they, they would. I mean, I think he's now third on the betting odds. Obviously, yeah. you know, Dan Landing, after what he posted to Twitter yesterday and basically come out and said he's not leaving, uh, he's now moved down to plus 2,500 odds when he was at plus 150. Now Dabo 
when you're looking at these betting odds as to who's going to be the next Alabama coach, Dabo's sitting at plus 105, which is just about even odds. Mm-hmm. And then you have Kalen DeBoer behind him at, I think, plus 135 is what his odds are at right now. And then you go down the list, Lane Kiffin's on there, obviously, and then a couple of names. Deion Sanders is going to have his name on the list just because. But I think that within the next 24 to 48 hours, you're going to know who the coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide will be. I'll also throw out there I- for you real quick, Steve uh, uh, Sarkeesian has also posted late last night, it's a great day to be a Longhorn. So he's also trying to make it known that he's not going anywhere. I think, I, I mean, I would think the if you're going to go with, with the guy that's, you know, the up-and-comer, I think Kalen DeBoer would be the guy. But if you want to if you want to know, you know, what you got, I think Dabo – I think it's those two. I've always thought it was Dabo, but then Kalen DeBoer has been uh, talked about. I, I, I think he's the better of the up-and-comers than Mike Norvell personally. I, I mean, that's just that's just my take on that. I think you're 100% right. Now, the one thing that I will say about whoever takes this job, if you go down to Alabama – and you don't win at least 10 games a year, they're going to be calling for your head immediately. They're not going to give you a grace period. And if you, for some reason, have a 7-5 and five season your first year, or an 8-4, eight and four, eight, and a 6-6 six and six would be disastrous, uh, that's a career killer. I mean, that's the type of school where if you don't live up to the expectations and the standard that Nick Saban has set, they're going to be calling for your head just because that's what they're so used to. They don't know what it's like to have to go through what we went through the past 15 years. I mean, the past 15 years around here, they were awful. We had one good season the past 15, well, I should say 16 years now. But, I mean, we had one good season and went 11-2, and which was fantastic. But you do that at Alabama, your fans are not happy with you. I mean, we were thrilled last year with 11-2. And and all these coaches know that. I mean, they they know that. I mean, this is a big-time job. You're following a legend, a goat. I mean, this is not just something you gotta you gotta sleep on this one. You gotta sleep, sleep on this one. I mean, and Daniel, let me ask you this: Do you think there's a lot of coaches yeah. that are out there that are hesitant to take the job just because of that? Well, I've heard a couple people say that. My take would be that there's nothing more prestigious than that that job, and then all that all that would surround you, like. It would be it would be uh, you know to follow the greatest head coach of all time, collegiate head coach. But I think I think there would be a, a lot of people that that would that would take it just for the simple fact of, I mean, if it don't work, you know, I'm going to be sitting pretty for a little bit. I mean, I, I think you're going to get a little bit of both. Um, um, I certainly understand that you know it's over it's an overwhelming job, but I think there's going to be guys that are going to. I think I, I I think guys like Kalen DeBoer would take it on. Head, head on and wouldn't even worry about what would come because he knows that it would be, I mean, on the back end he's taken care of, right? I mean, you would think so, which after, I don't know, with these huge contracts that we've seen and you look at what happened out at Texas A&M with Jimbo Fisher, I don't know if anyone's ever going to get a contract like that again just because Texas A&M just had to shell out or they're currently shelling out $74 million to a guy not to work. I mean, that guy gets out of bed every morning and makes $26,500 a day. All right, think about that. Mm-hmm. Imagine being able to wake up and just roll out of bed knowing you just made $26,000. That's insane. <laughs> That's just insane. Daniel, we appreciate the phone call, man. We'll talk soon. So, jumping off of Daniel's phone call, mm-hmm. 
I just said something that I realized that it very well might play a factor in a lot of these guys, you know, whether or not they take that Alabama job, is do they want to follow those expectations? And can they? Could it be one of those deals where the job might be too big for them? And the the matter, the fact of the matter is, and the reality of everything, it is too big for everybody. Mm-hmm. There's not a single coach in America right now, maybe Kirby Smart, that could go into Alabama and do the job that Nick Saban has done over the past 17 seasons. There's nobody that's going to win 87% of their games over the course of a decade, let alone two at one particular school. It just does not work that way. Kirby's working that way. He's working that way. <laughs> but I mean, like just think. Just think. Yeah, but look at what all he did down there before NIL yeah. actually became legalized. We all know why they're yeah. doing as well as they are. I mean, think about that. But you also was looking at these coaches. You know, you want to get to the top of the top. I mean, this is your profession. You want to be at the top level. You want to prove you can be at the top level and continue to grow your brand and grow. And if you can go coach in Alabama and the SEC and you win there, mm-hmm. I mean, you make a name for yourself. And so, you know, I, you know, I don't really know much about Kalen DeBoer. I mean, obviously he's a great coach. He's gotten Washington, put Washington back on the map. But, you know, it, it's just going to be interesting. I mean, I, it's not just something you can just – yeah, I'll definitely do that. You know, like it's it's big shoes to fill, no doubt. I'm just – I'm curious over the next 24 to 48 hours if they're going to announce a hire because I really think they should. If they, if, they, if they don't have a guy in place, they need to get one in place now because eventually you got guys that are just sitting in that locker room or sitting on campus – thinking, okay, well, who's my coach going to be? I don't know who my coach is, so I'm going to transfer out of here before we get some bad news, and they very well might because the next guy coming in is not guaranteed to retain those guys either Yeah. because well, if he's got a couple of studs on his team that he wants to bring over, guess what? You know, Call it tampering, call it what you want, but the fact of the matter is that's going to happen. We've seen tampering on at USC. They're not going to get punished for it. Yeah. Well, Sam mentioned this morning on the morning show that yeah. uh, the board did cancel a radio show this morning, uh, and they tried to reschedule it for next week. So, um, obviously, he's got something in the works up Some, there. Something is in the works. So. And we, we just don't know what. Yeah. Marcus, if you were to bet on this right now, who would you take as the next coach at the University of Alabama? Uh, it's going to be somebody that the Alabama fans won't be happy about. Mm-hmm. Um, my guess is probably going to come down to either Dabo or uh, was it Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator. Um, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if they pulled a weird rabbit out of the hat and did that instead. No one in Alabama is going to like whatever the hire is. They're not going to get an elite coach to to make up for things. Um, they're, they're going to be unhappy with whatever decision they make, and it's probably going to make everyone in the SEC feel better. Um, so, Marcus, something else to think about right now. There is a clause in Dabo Sweeney's contract. It's a Tide-specific clause, Crimson Tide-specific clause. Now it could become more relevant than ever because Dabo agreed to a 10-year contract worth $115 million in September of 2022. He would have to pay 150% of his buyout in a given year if he chooses to coach at Alabama over another school. At the time he signed an extension, Sweeney would have to pay $9 million if he chose to return to Alabama compared to $6 million for any other program in the country. Goes through about how he played at Alabama. So there is, there is smoke there 
And where there's smoke, there is always fire. We're going to take a quick timeout. When we return, Jackson Collier of Arkansas Rivals joins us next right here on Fan Run Radio. Ever been the coach who realized the team? Back here on the G.I. Jake Show right here on Fan Run Radio live from Parkside, Kia 9929 Parkside Drive. Pleased to be joined by my guy, Jackson Collier from Arkansas Rivals. Jackson, how are you, sir? Man, I'm doing great. Jake, how are you doing? Man, just out here living the dream. Finally got away from the rainy weather that we had been experiencing for like two weeks, it seems like. And now, all of a sudden, school's canceled out here because of wind. But I'm looking outside right now. I see no wind. That's supposed to be moving in after we get off the air today. But we're here to talk about college basketball. We're here to talk about what in the world is going on down in Tuscaloosa. And, man, I got to ask, first and foremost, what is going on? with your Arkansas Razorbacks? Because when I look at this team right now, I see a team that does not look like it's coached by Eric Musselman. I see a team that is just struggling to find any kind of rhythm and keep things going. Yeah, no, it's been a really frustrating season so far. Uh, The games have honestly been pretty painful to watch. The team is just uncharacteristic of anything that I've witnessed in in the previous four seasons under Eric Musselman. Um, that the team is not playing hard. They have no identity as a whole. Um, defensively, they're not good, which those are all kind of things that are prototypical uh, Eric Musselman staples. You know, Arkansas is a, typically a very good, hard-nosed defensive team uh, who can, you know, occasionally play decent offense, not great offense, uh, but plays with great effort. Uh, and none of that is happening this year. Um, and, and it's crazy because uh, over the off season. Um, there are so many factors going into it, like with the, with the roster, that people are really expecting a, a strong season. You know, um, it, this is the highest retention rate that Musselman has had at Arkansas. So he returned five players, uh, three starters. Um, so that was like a major plus. Uh, you add in two uh, really coveted high school recruits, Bay Falls and McDonald's All-American. Uh, Layden Blocker is a consensus top 25 player. Uh, and then on top of that, you have another pretty strong portal hall. What what was expected to be a strong portal hall with Tremont Mark, Caleb Battle, um, L. Ellis, and the like. So the, it really is kind of puzzling to to see everything uh, turn out the way it has. Absolutely. Then you look at the rest of the conference right now, and obviously sitting at the top, you got your two and O teams. But I mean, the two teams that highlight everything: Auburn and Kentucky right now. Auburn, Bruce Pearl, he's found it again. I don't know what it is about that guy, but he just keeps finding it year after year after year. Calipari, he's finally found his rhythm again, getting Kentucky up to number six in the country. Tennessee, of course, fell the other night to Mississippi State, which was a game in which we it did not seem like we could carry the momentum to build a lead or even get a lead for that matter. Because, you know, the last lead that we had in the game, I think we were up eight to seven at one point early in the first half. And then you fall behind, you're down 13 at halftime, and you keep trying to battle back and you do battle back, but you can never get the lead. You either tie the game, you get it within one, you get it within two, but you can never carry that momentum over to take that lead. And now we're going down to the stake tomorrow to a Georgia team that is 12-3 and three right now. And as you know, Tennessee's history in the Stegman Coliseum does not bode well for the Vols. I think we have won since the Brian Williams tip-in in, I think, 09 or 2010. I think Tennessee has won once down at the Stegman Coliseum. Yeah, Georgia, I was, I, w- I want to say I was impressed, but also they didn't do anything uh, 
outrageously well that caused Arkansas to lose that game. Arkansas just played terrible, um, just to be frank. And, but that's, I mean, that's an indictment on, on Arkansas uh, in general as well. I mean, it's not to take anything away from Georgia. I did watch the Tennessee game against Mississippi State, and one thing that I took away from it was, you know, Tennessee played with great effort like it always does under Rick Barnes. Uh, but, man, uh, they really just got beat by – two guys, uh, Hubbard and, and Smith. And Tolu Smith, you know, he was not there for the beginning part of the season. Uh, that was an injury. I think he ended up coming back uh, earlier than, than people expected, uh, which was a huge help to Mississippi State. But he's a baller. He's been a baller. Um, you know, watching this Tennessee team this season, they're, obviously they're very good. They're top ten in the country. But one thing I think they're missing a little bit uh, that they have had uh, – is that edge that they had with uh, Plasic last year uh, and the mm-hmm. year before? They they they're a very talented team. They they do things well. Uh, they can shoot the ball. Uh, didn't shoot it well against Mississippi State, but you know you have your core. You have Vescovy. You have Ziegler. Uh, then you have uh, obviously Dalton uh, Connect was a great portal addition, but I just don't see that edge that I'm used to seeing that I saw with Plasic that I saw with. Admiral Schofield a few years back, uh, it's just not quite there. Maybe I'm wrong. I haven't watched. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I've watched Tennessee extensively. I- I've watched three or four games this season, and I just didn't come away thinking, man, you know that 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 team plays with the chip on its shoulder. They're they're bordering dirty, but also not dirty. They're just like really tough basketball uh, players and a tough basketball team. Just haven't seen that. I think the closest they've gotten to it this year is when uh, Mush- uh, Jemai Meshack plays extended minutes. He's a really hard-nosed defender. Doesn't score it really well. I've been a fan of his game since uh, his high school days. Arkansas recruited him really hard, but uh, Tennessee won out in his commitment. But I think he's the one that, for Tennessee to continue to step up their game, he's going to need to find a bigger role and keep playing with that chip on his shoulder and hopefully facilitate that to other people. Absolutely. And when you mention, you know, what we don't have down low, you bring up Brewers Plopsich. Do you think it's because we just cannot play bully ball with who we've got? I mean, you got Jonas Adu. Yeah, he's tall, but he does not have the size. I don't know how much strength that he has to be able to go up against. And we've seen it already this year. We've had to go up against, you know, Hunter Dickinson, Zach Eady, Armando Baycott, and he got bullied. You have Tobey Awaka, who's got the size, who has the strength, but everyone, it seems like, is four inches taller than what he is, and you don't have that advantage there at all. So if Tennessee, like, say that we have Uros Plopsic on this roster, do you think that some of these games turn out differently? Oh, 100%, because I don't think, you know, well, I, I know uh, Euros wouldn't have been, not, and not to say the other guys have been intimidated by, but I, I just think it's a different complete, uh, different concept completely. Like, Plosic never backed down from anybody, and there's not many people that are bigger than Plosic, but I have, there's no doubt in my mind that if there was someone who was bigger than Plosic, he wouldn't even think twice before stepping up. And, you know, as a basketball player, like when you have a teammate that does that, that kind of rallies the troops. It's like, heck yeah, we got uh, Plavi over there. Who's going to, he's got all of our backs and you know, that makes me more confident. Now I'm going to play with the chip on my shoulder. Cause I know he's, if Hunter Dickinson tries to pull his, his stuff where he's elbowing or he's kicking people on the, on the ground and stuff, Euros isn't going to stand for it. And so now we're, we're more aggressive at, across the board on all the positions too. So I definitely think, yeah, for sure. That's a very, very interesting perspective 
on that for sure. Now, Jackson, the story of what might be the month, it might even be of the year because we're still going to be talking about this come football season once all the pregame shows and all the season previews start coming around. Nick Saban, the coach at Alabama for 17 years, six national titles, winning 87% of his games at that particular school. Oh, and not to mention a national championship when he was at LSU. And it just so happens to be the coach that started the decline of Philip Fulmer after losing the 2001 SEC championship game in Atlanta with a Rose Bowl on the line. Jackson, I don't know what to make of this because I'm sitting here trying to figure out which dominoes are going to fall because this is not going to be a situation in which they try to go get a up-and-coming coach from a mid-major school or a Power 5 school that just does not have the resources that Alabama does. This is going to be a splash hire, and I want to know where the domino is going to fall because right now, as we talked about earlier, the betting odds are in favor of Dabo Sweeney now that Dan Lanning has essentially pulled his name out of the mix. Kalen DeBoer actually this morning canceled a radio show in Washington, so it seems like something's going on there. Is Alabama about to get Mike Gundied by Kalen DeBoer? You know, it's really interesting. I don't, I'm don't. i not even going to pretend to know what's going on in Alabama. I, I don't cover Alabama, but, you know, as a sports uh, reporter, I, I kind of just keep up with it and, and try to be as informed as possible. And one thing I thought, I think it was Peter Burns made a really good point this morning on, on Twitter. He said, look, Alabama – is going to make a hire and it, are they going to hire somebody to kind of take over and uh, recreate or maintain the level of success that Nick Saban had, or are they going to make a hire that uh, they bring in someone who can navigate the current and changing and new landscape of college football with the NIL, with the transfer portal, with the 12 team playoff, all this sort of stuff. And that's not to say that Nick Saban couldn't have done that. He he just made the playoffs uh, again. So, but I think when you look at it that way, those are two completely different things. Um, the second, the latter option being the the modern day climate. I think that's definitely a Lane Kiffin type of guy. Um, who knows if Lane Kiffin is offered the job? If he takes a job, whatever. Um, but then you know you run down the list of candidates, like you said, Dan Lanning already said. No, uh, Kalen DeBoer, some smoke there, some smoke with Dabo Sweeney. Uh, I would imagine Steve Sarkeesian would not be an option with the announcement that Quinn Ewers is coming back, but who knows there. It's, it really is an interesting situation. Uh, Alabama is a job where it's, it's really hard to turn down, especially coming after Nick Saban, but also by that same token, do you want to follow in Nick Saban's footsteps? Or do you want to maintain what you've built somewhere else? Uh, you know, that's something that each coach is going to have to decide on their own. Like, hey, I just made a national championship at Washington. Uh, should I stay here and build, or should I follow in the footsteps of Nick Saban and, and risk that? Who knows? Uh, that, that's up to each of the coaches. I have no doubt in my mind that Alabama will be able to hire a great coach. Uh, I don't expect much of a uh, downfall, so to speak, Uh I don't think it'll be the same. I don't think you're, you're going to have Alabama uh, making the playoff every year, winning 12, 13 games every year, but I, I don't think they fall below 10, 11 wins, uh, especially if they make the right hire, which I, I fully expect them to. I mean, that's the thing with Alabama. You would almost have to think they, they are going to make the right hire, and if they make a disastrous hire, um, if you thought that Shiano Sunday was bad, if you thought Kiffin leaving in the middle of the night was bad, 
here at Tennessee. Just imagine if Alabama were to go eight and four next year. Just imagine the shock and the horror that would ensue down in Tuscaloosa. I, uh, quite frankly, I think there's a lot of people with a sick mind, Jackson, that would love to see that happen. I'm not saying I'm one of those people, but I'm just saying I would not be upset if it did happen. <laughs> uh, Jackson, Jackson, I wanted to ask you about Arkansas football a little bit. Um, obviously, Petrino comes in there uh, this offseason. Uh, just what's the dynamic down there looking like? And um, Obviously, replacing K.J. Jefferson going into the next season. Uh, it seemed like he was there about 10 years. Um, just what are the thoughts on the football program and stuff at Arkansas right now? So it's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, a lot of fans expected Pittman to be gone after this past year, and he wasn't. Um, so then there was sort of this feeling of uh, apathy and, and really no momentum at all going into the offseason, especially with the blowout loss to Missouri, all this sort of stuff. Um, but, you know, uh, as is uh, college athletics, you know, you make changes and – that, that's what's been going on. So far, they've been able to retain their defensive staff, which defense was one of the lone bright spots last season, maybe not towards the end of the year, but for the first half of the year, I think uh, that entire defensive staff did a really good job. Um, then, you know, dominoes started to fall in terms of momentum. Uh, hiring Bobby Petrino as offensive coordinator, that really worked magically uh, for from a PR perspective because that got fans really invested again and excited again because there's – ever since Bobby Petrino was fired in 2011, whenever that was, um, there has been a full sect of the, of the, of the fan base who wanted Bobby Petrino to come back as head coach. They never believed he should have been fired. They wanted him to come back as head coach. Well, now he's back at, as offensive coordinator. And so that sect is, is through the moon. They're excited. But then the other portions of the fan base who didn't necessarily think, oh, yeah, bring Bobby back, they're like, oh, well, Bobby Petrino is, is an offensive coordinator. That's great because uh, he's a gifted offensive mind. Um, so you have that, and then you, you return some, some key pieces, especially Landon Jackson coming back on the defensive line when he was an NFL draft prospect. That was massive too. And so now you know some of that initial momentum has kind of faded. They've, they've done well-ish in the transfer portal. They've missed out on a couple offensive line targets, but they're trying to rebuild the offensive there um they signed Taylor green from boise state to be the quarterback they're going to have a true quarterback uh competition this next off season for the first time and uh i guess since the chad morris era uh which seemed like every week was a quarterback battle since i think he started 11 different quarterbacks in two seasons um but no i think you know th this is the year for for Pittman as far as like uh his put up or shut up like he it, he has to perform well this season or else you know he will be gone uh there's an interesting contract or a clause in the contract of the wide receiver coach that they hired something to the effect of uh like if Pittman is the head coach then so and so like almost as if it was written into his contract that Pittman might not be here uh so I thought that language was interesting as well um but you know we'll, we'll see uh a lot of it depends on how they finish out the transfer portal. Uh, they still have a lot of pieces they need to add. They need to add a couple more offensive linemen, uh, some more linebackers, I think a receiver and some, some pieces in the secondary. Um, but, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, it, it's like everything. It ebbs and flows. Uh, momentum is kind of even keel now. It's not, not down too low, but it's not positive either.
Jackson, I was going to throw out, you know, you mentioned the actual true quarterback competition. Um, is there a chance that we have KJ Jefferson replaced by freshman KJ Jackson? Is that, is, could a KJ replace a KJ? Uh, I, I doubt it, but you know, never say never. KJ is a very KJ Jackson is a very gifted talent, very gifted quarterback. Um, but I, I don't think Arkansas brought in uh, transfer quarterbacks back to back years. Brought in Colby Criswell last year. Brought in Taylor Green this year. Both upperclassmen, I believe. Uh, Criswell will be a senior, I think, and and uh, maybe a junior. I you're right, Criswell. Exactly. Yeah, Criswell is a senior, and then uh, the transfer junior Taylor Green. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't think they bring in two upperclassmen in back-to-back years just to start a freshman. Um, so I would expect it to be uh, Green or Criswell. We'll see, but K.J. Jackson's a fantastic talent. Absolutely. Jackson, one more thing before we let you go. What are the games to watch this weekend in college basketball? Oh, there's. I mean, there's a lot of them. Uh, I'll just stick to the SEC right now because I'm I just huge SEC sports junkie. Um, I think a really, really interesting matchup will be Texas A&M and Kentucky. It's at Texas A&M. So I think that that is huge right there. Texas A&M kind of uh, floundering a bit of late. They've dropped to 9-6 and six after a strong start. But, you know, anything can happen at home. It's incredibly difficult to win on the road, as we've seen um, so far this year. And I think yesterday and the day before yesterday, a ton of top 25 teams dropped on the road. Um, then you've already mentioned Tennessee at Georgia. I think that's a really solid game to watch as well. Um, across college basketball, though, um, what I really think are, are some really strong matchups, um, in particular St. John's at Creighton. Uh, St. John's is playing really well yes. in Rick Pitino's first year. or it, It's his first year, right, I think? Time, yes. time is escaping me, yeah. but uh, I think it is. Um, but they're playing really well. They're they're friendly in the NCAA tournament field. Creighton uh, is a good team too. Uh, kind of a typical strong Big East matchup early in the conference slate. And then Oklahoma Kansas is that Kansas? We'll we'll see what Oklahoma's made of. You know they're thirteen and two as well. And Kansas is coming off getting upset against uh, UCF. So I think those two games outside of the SEC are ones to watch for sure. All right, and you mentioned St. John's. You know that is both your pick and my pick as our dark horse candidate to make the final four this year sitting at four and one in the big east 12 and four overall i am not walking that back one bit right now jackson thank you so much man tell us where to find you on twitter uh just at jackson collier on twitter j-a-c-k-s-o-n-c-o-l-l-i-e-r uh yeah no i really enjoy coming on your show as, as always man always appreciate you Ask me on, and always happy to come and talk about anything. Absolutely. Jackson, thank you so much, man. We'll talk soon. Yes, sir. Thank you. That is Jackson Collier from Rivals, Arkansas, making his presence felt here on Fan Run Radio. The G.I. Jake Show is going to hit a quick break. We'll be right back after this. At Knoxville Smiles, we're bringing the... Oh, G.I. Jake show on Fan Run Radio. It's nice out here. It is very nice out here at Parkside Kia. Come on out, guys. 9929 Parkside Drive. Coming to test drive. One of these brand new Tellurides out here, man. I love, love the Telluride. That's te- why I drove you out here so you could uh, take one home with you. Absolutely. That was uh, 
at High Tech Telluride. I love it, man. <laughs> Let's go back to the phones. Phil oh. is up next. What do you say, Philly? What's going on, Jack? Philly. You hear me? I got you. You got me? Yeah. Well, the sun is nice. I better enjoy it for about two more hours, and then I think it's going to get you know a little rainy. You know what I'm saying? A little rainy, a little windy. I just uh, hope we don't literally get blowed away. <laughs> and you did say they called off school again for wind? Oh, yeah. Uh, Knox County did not go to school today because of the wind. What the heck's going on? Well, Bill, I don't know. Uh, you know. Soft as they do out here. <laughs> Well, there you go. There you go. Brett is bringing the heat early this morning. Now, so what's I, I mean, I guess on the you have to take into account, like, these buses are top-heavy, and if the wind gets a hold of a bus, you know, it, it could create yeah. a disaster situation. So I guess you have to take that into account. Yeah. But I don't know. I used to have to well, walk up bit. the hill both ways in the snow. Last 50 years, there was no problem in the wind, even though it blowed, you know? Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> but uh, what's the latest on Alabama's uh, coaching search? I think they're – Sounds like they're narrowing it down. They're, they're narrowing having, it down. Having to, I guess. Yeah, I think Kalen DeBoer out at Washington, I think he's probably in play, but I think he's going to pull a Mike Gundy on him and just try to use that as leverage for a contract extension and a raise out at Washington. It appears that's what it's going to be. Now, I do know that the odds are in favor of Dabo Sweeney right now. And if he really? takes that job, Bill, I think that bodes well for Tennessee. Yeah. yeah I kind of think Dabble's at the end of the of his train ride, you know? Well, I mean, it's one of those things, Phil, you have to be able to adapt with college football. You have to be able to change with the game. That's why Nick Saban was able to last as long as he didn't be as, as successful as he was. You know, he was able to evolve with the game. And I think it was 2013, what did he do when offense and college football started changing? He goes out and he hires Lane Kiffin. And then he hires Steve Sarkeesian. And he's able to keep that momentum going. Dabo has been reluctant to change with college football. Obviously, the biggest factor in that is the transfer portal. That's his biggest qualm with it. And he's not been able to conform to college football in the new way that the game is played because of that. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if he gets that Alabama job. Is he going to be willing to just – put all of his personal thoughts aside and just accept it at this point. I'm sure he will because he, he's a, he's a Bammer player, a former coach. I mean, an assistant coach. He used to be the bag man down there back in the 1990s. So uh, right. he'll do he whatever Alabama, Alabama is already at. set up. All you got to do is do it. You know what I'm saying? That's all you got to do. I mean, let's not act like he's a complete and utter saint. I mean, those guys just didn't go to Clemson just to play for Dabo Swinney. No, they went to Clemson because they were getting some cash. That's where all these guys <laughs> – that's why all these guys have went to the places they have went is because they got some cash out of the deal. Well, I was interested your uh, guest from Arkansas talking about Tennessee. Uh, it's sort of uh, it's sort of true. We're sort of a soft basketball team, aren't we? A little bit. I mean, when you take Adu and you put him up against Armando Baycott, Hunter Dickinson, Zach Eady, you know – Tolu Smith the other day. I mean, think about it, Bill. If he is not the heavier guy in the situation, or if he is intimidated by them in the slightest, they're just going to bully him. And that's why we lost those four games is because he got bullied. And then our inability to sign a – I mean, a a Waka is not a five-man. I don't know why people think that he's going to be one. He's not. 
He's too small to play the five, even though he's built like a football player. I mean, he, he's your old-school power forward is what he is. That's the yeah. best way I can describe Tobey Awaka. He's your old-school power forward. That's a little bit undersized for his position, but, I mean, we've seen guys that are like that. Uh, Draymond Green, for example, he's not necessarily tall, but he can do his thing down in the paint. Charles Barkley did his thing, but he's just not, like you said, Phil, he's not a true five. It just looked like Rick Barnes got out coached the other night. Uh, he let that Hubbard boot him. Uh, I mean, Tolo Smith, uh, I mean, he good his points, but little, they shouldn't have been able to. If that guy just gets a half of uh, what he usually gets, uh, Tennessee wins that game of double digits. But Tennessee didn't play good enough first half. They looked terrible. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the biggest things that set us back was how bad we were shooting the ball in the first half. I mean, open looks. Yeah, I mean, we had open looks. We just weren't knocking the shots down. If you're not knocking the shots down, you're not going to score points. You don't score points, you're not going to win. And that's one of the biggest problems from the other night. Now you get into the second half, it's like, yeah, we're making shots, but it's all run through two guys. If you've got it running through just two guys and they have no other options to dish the ball out to, you're never going to win in that situation. Two guys cannot score all of your points, and that's essentially what we tried to do the other night. Well, they got enough out of Triple J. They got got enough out of But at the same time, you got to knock down some shots. Yeah, for Scovey, uh, Ganey didn't do anything, and uh, Mayshack didn't score. So it's hard to win when you got four of your top players not doing anything. Man, I mean, that's why we lost. I just hope that it, we get that fixed before tomorrow because, Phil, you know our reputation down in the Stegman Coliseum. We don't play well down there. And no, I would Blue hate Cain to go down late, there no. and add to it. Wouldn't you ever have Blue Caden and uh, Ganey? Yes. Well. The view acts like they wanted to have that keep Ganey uh, yesterday when I called him. So, I don't know. Well, that's the reason why they called the view, I guess. You know? Well, I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of those deals, Phil. I mean, the Catholic pipeline that we had, I mean, I feel like it's gone. Like, Yeah, it's definitely gone. <laughs> it's gone in the wind down there at Catholic I mean, the, now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wonder why that blown is. Blown away. Literally blown away. And, I mean, when you think about it this, this way, those were two guys in two consecutive classes that we brought in. One of them even reclass. NJ Tomba was a reclass guy. But why would yeah. we reclass somebody only to redshirt them and then yeah. to not play them? And then tell them to leave. That that was still the most just dumbfounding thing that I think we've done. And then BJ comes in last year, gets a few minutes, doesn't really get a chance to showcase what he can do. And now he's at SMU. So, I mean, that's two straight classes with two guys from the same school. You have to think that pipeline is ruined. Well, there's not going to be anything in that pipeline from there. It's going to be worth getting anyway now. It's, it's totally it's uh, turned off and it'll never be turned back on again, if you know what I mean. It won't. I mean, Catholic basketball is not living up to the standards of what uh, what Hutch set out there when he was, you know, running a program and ran a solid program and did very well, you know, when he was at Catholic. Very well respected coach. He's just not, um, or they're just not going to live up to those expectations uh, for a long time. I don't think. Well, and Catholic's not the only school. Bearden's produced some players too. I mean, Pember was they tried Pember here and then mm-hmm. they didn't even try Glover. Uh, uh, well, part of it is well, uh, those guys, those guys are Catholic and Bearden were, were associated with the Bobby Mays Elite, and Bobby Mays Elite's not even here anymore. Right. It's in Miami yeah. now. Yeah, now we've got, uh, you know, Cecil Cherry, the kid, or not Cecil Cherry, but um, what is the guy's name from Austin East? Yeah, Cherry. I don't know what his first yeah. name is. I was thinking of Cecil Cherry. That's a old football recruit <laughs> from the early 20-teens. How's uh? Who's, 
how's how's SMU doing right now? Does anyone know? SMU. Oh. Well, that's no. a 10 and 5. I saw yep. they lost a, a double-digit lead to Memphis. Uh, you know, just curious what's going on down there. Well, no, I mean, Memphis is a good basketball team this year. I guarantee you that uh, B.J. Edwards could help Tennessee this year. I mean, we still have the same problem, no backup point guard. Well, but here's the thing, though. Like, you look at this. He's never scored double digits at SMU, though, Phil. Like, it don't he, matter. He's the backup point guard. There, which is five points a game, and he starts. He runs the offense. He plays They're like – They're not asking to score. I don't think he's the, the backup. You don't even know basketball. See it. He's not the backup. Like you look at tweets about him on, like he's a part of the starting lineup. He plays twenty minutes roughly a game. He hasn't scored double digits once. He's he's not going to help us. He ain't going to help us win. <laughs> Do we still have Phil? No, he hung up. I made him mad. Oh my goodness, Marcus! Pretty soon he's going to lump you in the same category as Bear and Russell. It used to be. Burn up, you don't know basketball. Now it's going to be burned up, and Marcus don't know a thing about basketball. That's I mean, how it's going to be just, from here on out. I'm just saying, like, he, he's, not, he's not doing anything at SMU that whatever our backup point guard situation is doing right now. He's not scoring double-digit points. He's, he's averaging, I believe, four and a half points per game, I think, something like that. Like, he's not going to change anything. I'm not saying I don't want B.J. Edwards. Like, if he wanted to be here, fine, great. Clearly, he didn't. He wanted a starting role that he was not going to get here, and he he's not doing anything at SMU. What makes me believe he's going to do anything at here? Like he's not, and that's not well, to say I he's mean, a bad kid or he's not a good player. It's like he's proving that he's not doing anything. Well, I mean, Phil does make a good point. You do need a solid backup point guard, in which you know we feel like we have over there right now. We've just not seen a lot of him. Like that's the problem. There is the fact that we've not seen a lot of Freddie DeLeon now. Is Meshack going to bring the ball up at points? Yes. Is Vescovy going to bring the ball up at some point this year? Probably. Because you cannot rely on Zakai Ziegler like you did last year to play 38 minutes a game, play 40 minutes a game. That's wearing him out. I mean, that's you know something that at least I think. It's like if you play a guy too much, eventually it's going to take its toll on that player because he's go, go, go all the time. You have to have rest periods in there at some well, point. You didn't expect him to play such hard minutes because you expected – more balanced scoring like he's carrying a load right now because other guys aren't stepping up their part of the deal like well, that, yeah that's scoring, another part of the problem you is, know so that's why you can't pull him off the floor either that you see what the offense does when he comes on the floor and I, that's also what they mean by not having a backup point guard you know like yeah. a guy that keeps the momentum going and the other night he's the only one that scored in the first half and i'm not sure so sure that you know we're going to see that this year because like you said brett if he's scoring at will you can't take him off the floor there's nothing you can do in that situation. You have to keep him on the floor because he's the only one that's able to go get you a bucket. Or there's not many point guards in the country playing better than him right now either. No, I mean, I mean, I can't think of anybody. Off the top oh, of my I agree, hundred percent. He's one of the best point guards in, in NCAA right now. Yeah, but if he gets hurt or if he goes down, he gets tired. Things are not good. Things not good, and Freddie is not. He's not on the floor. We well, saw Barnes him. has admitted to it when he was – I mean, I think he said the other day on the morning show. Like, yeah. He, he's trying to spell the guy. He doesn't want to come out. And yeah. if he's going to continue to produce, you know, at a high level, and he's not giving you signs that he is tired or is hurting, then I think you leave him on the floor. So, I mean, now you know? you're in a situation, if you're Rick Barnes, like, what do you do? It's like, if you take him out to rest him, 
you run the risk of you know creating a deficit that you might not be able to overcome. Well, and like, but if you I, keep him in, you're at least going to keep that momentum going. Yeah, maybe some of the dumb plays he does make during a game is because he's mentally and physically tired. It like could be. Chuck, chucking up a three, you know, almost from the logo. Court, yeah. You know, when you could probably drive to the basket, create something for somebody else, or maybe just get a layup. You know, they were going to let you probably have the two points. You know, and you'd have great success. You know, with the full court press the other night. You know, so yeah, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? The rest of this basketball season. Who yeah. knows what's going to happen down to Alabama? Who knows what's going to happen with Gerard Mayo in the NFL? We don't know. We just don't. You know, I don't have a crystal ball here. I can tell you what I think is going to happen, and you know, sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong. But at the end of the day, nobody knows everything. Oh my goodness. Yeah, Stay with us. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two of the G.I. Jake Show coming up right here on Fan Run Radio. Are you in need of a smile maker?